1: This is an official download from thecustardtv.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the 2018 edition of the Custard TV podcast.
1: Woo woo, woo woo. Woo
2: woo, woo woo. Uh, that voice that you hear right there, woo wooing, is that of Matt. Good evening, Matt. Good evening and Happy New Year to Happy you, Gary, and you. the listeners. Indeed, both of them. Uh, <laughs> all of them. Uh, evening, uh, Mum. Uh, the, the 2018 version of the uh, Custard TV podcast is going to sound very much the same as 2017 and, and probably a little similar to 2016 in the sense that it will occasionally feature me and Luke and all the time feature Matt. Mm. Uh, those are pretty much guarantees. Do you, do you think am- maybe you'll have a small holiday this year, Matt, from the podcast? Um, uh,
3: well, I'm going to Poland in okay. a month. Uh, okay. Whereabouts, whereabouts in Poland? Warsaw? Warsaw. Or? Yes, oh. Warsaw. It's for uh, my nice. brother's stag do, so I'm sure it will be full of historical uh, things. I'm sure we'll I'm be sh- going around Auschwitz. Is
2: that near Warsaw? I don't exactly know where it is. I, I know it's so. because Poland's a big, big country, isn't it? So,
3: well, is it in Al- is Auschwitz Al- a place? Let's yeah, all yeah, get yeah. Cut.
2: It's it's a town as opposed to a just a you know mm. a fictional. I know, I know. It's in like you know Schindler's List and all that. But uh,
1: yeah,
2: you can view everything to do with this uh, podcast on the website of www.thecustardtv.com. We recommend three Ws, Gary. www. That's what I did, didn't I? www. Oh, I said, well, work it out. Just Google
3: it. HTTP. <laughs> Luke. Hey, everybody, here's our star. Gary. I've never heard of him before today.
1: And Matt. He's a professional. The Tele Obsessed Trio.
3: Hey, enjoy your show, boy. This,
1: this is the Custard TV Podcast.
3: You know how much we loved Gone to Pot? The oh, yeah, yeah, fronted. yeah. They've got another celebrity fronted uh, like, exper- reality experiment show where eight celebrities are undergoing various sort of scientific testing to see if uh, the aging process can be uh, reversed but after, you know they had gone to pot and sugar-free farms, so this is along these those sort of lines do you want to hear the line up go ahead yeah yeah let's 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 the, let's, let's get those eight names out there the big signing actually um june brown uh, dot cotton now right? I,
2: I asked this question because I had to watch a little bit of EastEnders. She's not in EastEnders at the moment.
3: I think she's on a like a high, probably filming this. She's well, she yeah. Left, oh, okay. She left the show, but she's going to come back. She's. I asked Luke because I there was a period of time where I didn't watch it, and I think she left, but is coming back. Claire King, who was um, in oh, Emma oh, Dale, yeah, Emma Dale and... Roy Walker. Good answer. Say what? Say bad. what you see. Another EastEnder, Sid Owen. Blimey! Uh, Sherry Houston of uh, Loose Women and oh yeah yeah yeah, thing. Sean Ryder. That'll be an interesting one to see if he can reverse the ageing.
2: <laughs> I don't think he's has got anything to do with ageing. I think it's another. I think it's another lot of substances. And
3: finally, Russell Grant. It's a reasonable mix, actually. Yeah, yeah. I might watch so, that. So they're doing like a twenty-one day thing in Sardinia. Asked to commit to a strict diet and exercise routine for their individual needs, will push their limits and be subjected to cutting edge extreme anti-ageing treatments and then they'll be assessed after three weeks to see so there's
2: sort of an element of the old celebrity fat farm as well like mm. you know, oh yeah of, you know, yeah regime celebrity fit club i believe it was called oh, sorry there's me being politically incorrect
3: yeah we will kick off i think with uh christmas day and yes. do a bit of recap there big one uh doctor who which it seems like weeks ago now the premise was that they showed the first Doctor. They showed a clip
2: very first from the episode of the first Doctor where he ends up going away to be regenerated. David Bradley playing William Hartnell. You end up with the current Doctor meeting you know, his namesake. They did quite a lot of kind of incidental humour of, I'm the Doctor, I'm the mm-hmm. Doctor. What have you done to the TARDIS? What's that spanner thing you keep holding up? They did quite a bit of that. Yeah. The premise of the, of the actual episode was kind of, kind of uplifting. For once, the Doctor's suspicions about something being bad was wrong. Mm. Um, these kind of silhouette-type aliens were bringing people to this planet who shouldn't have been killed, including a Mark Gatiss' First World War captain who was in a kind of a standoff with a, with a, a German soldier. Mm. Uh, who were just both about to shoot each other, and then he got you know sucked into this kind of. It time was a group vacuum.
3: called um, Testimony yes. who uh, take people from their sort of timelines at their moment of death and take their memories and put them into like avatars. And you think it might be surreptitiously sort of nasty, but actually
2: they're doing some good. You know they're sort of documenting and librarying you know people's emotions and feelings. And the way which was very clever was obviously the way in which they managed to bring back Pearl Mackey's character. Uh, was uh, she was obviously you know one of these avatars, mm. um, and it didn't take long for Peter Capaldi or you know or two to work this out. But yeah. certainly there was a nice touching moment. I was a bit worried that she might get overacted
3: by the other two, but mm. I think she held her own very very my, well. They- uh, Mark Gatiss, as you say, is sort of taken from, um, it's like World War One. and he's actually the char- did you get that the character he was playing was the I Brigadier? I was going to
2: come on to that, yes, yeah. so basically, because well, you got that revealed towards the end, so yeah. I wasn't going to re- I was going to say that a bit later, but yeah, okay. he, he effectively is the Brigadier's grandfather, I think it was, uh, who was Trick Troughton's, the second doctor's yeah. companion throughout a lot of the series. Yeah, oh, it's called uh, Hamish
3: Lethbridge Stewart, and he was Alistair Lethbridge Stewart, was he?
2: That's right, so he was his great was his paternal grandfather, I looked it up. Uh, I'm a big fan of Patrick Troughton and the Brigadier series as well, so I liked that nod. Both doctors didn't want to regenerate was I suppose I was, was the say, overall story.
3: Uh, Jenna Coleman came back as Clara Yeah, that was a nice moment. Matt uh lucas as well as um I forgot that his was no, that narwhal that was a bit uh, superfluous in my opinion but hey it's christmas who cares these avatars contain all the memories of the of the people that they've got you know that's how they've built these these avatars yeah. for me personally before you give your views it to me felt like a collection of moments rather that's than a fair a, point yeah rather than an episode that had like a strong like through line, like this is the doctor's final episode. We need to do something. Here's the brigadier's granddad. Here's, um, you know, the first doctor. Here's Bill coming back, and then obviously yeah. at the end, the regeneration. Which, you,
2: I, I... <sighs> well, I suppose the thing is, the Christmas Day episodes always have that kind of like feel good moment, and, and you had that long speech by Peter Capaldi at the end. I suppose the whole thing is is that this really felt like a new beginning. You know, you've got a doctor, a couple of companions, a, a, a showrunner and a writer have all moved on. Mm. Um, and, and we started. What did you think? The regeneration was very quick mm. uh, in the sense that it was right at the end of the episode, as you thought it would be. Mm. Jodie Whittaker regenerated, said a line and then automatically got sucked out of the TARDIS. There wasn't really enough to make an opinion on.
3: But what did you think of the end of the episode? I mean, as you say, I can you can't really make an opinion on it, really. But well, I, know, inter- I I suppose it's an interesting way to, like, kickstart the series, in a way.
2: But the good thing is, you see, so they've got that reset. We've got three new companions, one of which is Bradley Walsh. Help me maybe now. Maybe she crashes uh,
3: onto the set of The Chase.
2: Maybe, yeah. Uh, or, or, um, or right into the middle of Broadchurch, because the new showrunner is, of course, Chris Chibnall. Uh, so interesting to see. Uh, overall, I think this was a good episode.
3: For me, it felt more like a string... There wasn't a sort of strong... No,
2: plot. they they
3: went for sentiment rather than story. Yes. Yeah. Eric Ernie and me, I'll quickly talk about, which was on BBC Four um, on Friday the 29th, mm-hmm. I want to say. This starred um, Mark Bonner and Neil Maskell as Morecambe and Wise, or, um, yeah, no, they, that was the right way around. And... Yep. Um, Stephen Tompkinson as their long-time uh, writer, contributor, uh, Eddie Braeburn, who wrote um, most of the stuff when they were on the BBC. Um, it basically looked at their relationship and how tricky it was to work with, like, these two demanding comedians, especially Eric Morecambe was very demanding. It sent him um, crazy at one point, and he had to have sort of complete bed rest because all they were doing was sending him notes the entire time. The big thing was that... Um, Eddie wanted to bring out, like, their personalities on screen because there's a scene early on where he goes to meet them and he says, you're not for me. You know, you, you've you come from the music halls. Um, you're not the type of person I want to work with. And then they all go for a drink at the BBC bar. And it's like, why isn't this your act? You know, you, you bounce off each other so well. I want to bring this out of you. And, and it was right. his idea to have them in bed together. And then you see, like, the various Christmas specials and things. It was basically like a, you know, highlights that people recognise type show. Building up to like their mammoth Christmas show, which got like crazy, like half the, half the country watched in like 1976. I
2: yeah, want to say the ratings were just uh, tremendous in those days. That uh, kind of those
3: kind of, problems, those kind of shows. So, if you've seen those BBC4 sort of biopics in the past, it was very much like one of those. I, I worried that Neil Maskell and um, Mark Bonner were going to struggle, but I think they, they did a performance of Morgan Wise that wasn't caricature, that they brought their own bits to it, and I thought that was well done. And Stephen Tompkinson was amazing as well. Um, worth watching, but it felt a bit rushed to me. It could have done with maybe another 15 minutes. I would recommend it. It is a, e- a very easy watch. It doesn't ask a lot of the viewers, and I think, I think I, it... Most will find it enjoyable, especially if you've okay. got some knowledge of this era, you know, of Malcolm and Wise. It is a very sort of well-paced drama, but again, I, I, I would have liked a little bit more of it. I mean, a couple of other things that I that worth highlighting for me. I mean, me and Luke both really enjoyed The Miniaturist, uh, which was the period drama that was on, yeah. um Boxing Day and the Day After. Uh, really it diverted our expectations. Really well done. A great performance by a young actress called Anya Taylor-Joy and also by Romola Gary. Um, it was something, you know, you thought you were getting one thing and then it sort of turned into mm. something else. And also, um, it was one of my picks of the Christmas time. Um, a Christmas Carol Goes Wrong, uh, the mischief theatre sort of. If you saw Peter Pan Goes Wrong last year, this was in the same vein. You know, everything went wrong. Props fell everywhere. People... Mm. Got the lines. It is a really sort of fast paced 45 minutes. I would recommend one of the funniest things I probably watched over this Christmas period.
1: We'd love to hear from you.
3: Drop us an email
1: custardtvreviews at
3: gmail.com. Do you want to just briefly chat about the uh, ratings overall? Because you did allude to it earlier. Well, only that I noticed that. Obviously, they
2: talk a lot about the shows that that make the most um, over Christmas, and particularly, you know, because of that, they think that everybody is sitting around the television, you know, for about six straight days. The show, the single show that won Christmas, was Mrs. Brown's Boys. I'm aware that what we think is good television doesn't always get the most popular, but I just don't understand. I mean, literally, were people just watching this and doing something else and forgot to turn the telly off? I don't understand how Mrs Brown's Boy
3: got the highest rated number of viewers on the shows. The highest ratings now aren't that high. There's a lot more choice, a lot more channels. You've got your Netflix, you've got your Amazon, you've got yeah people getting new PlayStation games and things like that, or watching DVDs and. I mean, 6.8 million watched Mrs. Brown's boys. Um, I wonder how many of those are in Northern Ireland. That would be an interesting yeah. start to break down. Or,
2: or to do a controversial tax strike, The Bahamas. Um,
3: uh, so, I mean, uh, number. One, like, let me just run through this list quickly. It might go get on, close, yeah. But uh, the Queen, um, o- over all the networks that she could have been watched on, 7.6 million. Mrs. Brown with 6.8. Then Strictly with 6.5, which, again, is an odd one because the Strictly Christmas special is like uh, people who've been on it before, and it's never really appealed to me that much. Called the Midwife and EastEnders both got 6.3 million. Uh, to be so, fair,
2: EastEnders built up, I mean, I didn't watch it, but it did no. build up a big storyline, yes, didn't it? It yeah. did kind
3: of, you know, there was a lot of build-up to their Christmas. Yeah, And then the, both the Branning girls fell off the Queen Vic roof at the end. Uh, then Doctor Who with 5.7, which I, I'm guessing will climb to the top of this list. with Yeah, the, once uh, you get the Consolidate and Consolidated and the iPlayer. Corrie with 4.8 rising to 5.1 when ITV plus one is included 4.2 million. Watch the BBC tea time news. <laughs> Again, that kind of shows to me that the telly was left on, yeah. <laughs> um, all BBC apart from Corrie, no Victoria, Yeah, no
2: Victoria. No. Well, what else did ITV? tell me another ITV show that was on on Christmas day? Uh, pog dogs. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, rest my, I rest my case
3: um, and also the Bake Off I think did about 2.5 which again will probably rise on Consolidated because it was up against Corrie and called the Midwife so anyway that's yeah. Christmas done. 2018 uh, began on the 1st of January as years often do
2: yeah uh, commonly yeah.
3: <laughs> with um, the new BBC 1 drama um, which is 8 parts was on the 1st and 2nd of the year and is now moving to Sunday night's muck mafia uh which i watched weeks and weeks and weeks ago Gally yeah more recently but you think you've got a worse memory of it than me well i only the I, I i don't think there's any point in us running through too much about this show i know there's a good article on the website luke very much tweeted his opinions i'll I'll do a little setup and then you can all right leave, okay throw your two cents in or two um rubles yo well done like yeah.
2: there. or two
3: bitcoins uh, ah it stars James Norton, who we know from Happy Valley in Grandchester, plays a character called Alex, who's a banker. Yes, well, inv- he's he uh, uh, like a banker, fund, I think. Something. He manages a portfolio. I don't quite understand what that means. but um, He's the son of Russians who were exiled from their motherland after um, they were run out of the country. His Uncle Boris, who for ages I didn't recognise, but he's the bloke from Top of the Lake, uh, Puss. Oh, gosh, yeah oh well that, I, I didn't get that either no i was like who's this i know this guy i know this guy he's very reckless with money you see that and he's the one who's sort of a bit well, he's, a, he's a very, very opulent candidate. lifestyle i'll give him that yeah yeah um lots of caviar all around and he's uh, the uh james Norton character alex is going out with another banker played by juliet rylance mark rylance's daughter the sort of life in russia that his parents used to have is sort of Starting to influence him, Uncle Boris sort of spreads a rumor about his company that sees him sort of almost forced to merge with a, a rival. And then um something happens to Boris that that makes um Alex. Reassess- well, Boris puts Boris puts out a hit
2: on someone,
3: yeah, and that- it goes wrong, and so Boris gets killed. That is the very um, Luke esque, <laughs> the, the exciting thing happening at the beginning, and then let's go to boring yeah. stuff happening in, in the UK. But it's sort of like, yeah, Boris's death sort of reassesses Alex's, like, position because he almost gets Mm. killed as well. And he decides to team up with a character played by David Strathairn, who's this sort of dodgy Israeli-like politician who wants him to launder money. Well, politician-stroke nightclub owner. (laughs) Yeah. I think that sort of sums up the first episode, doesn't it, really? So, um, thoughts, Gary? I kind of like the look of it and and and
2: and and the problem i re- i think i really wanted to like this but the problem is i'm afraid the lead the lead actor isn't that engaging i, I don't I, I this is possibly the first thing i've seen him in i i've watched an episode of grantchester and, and he doesn't really sort of come across i mean i know that, that he's supposed to be kind of like quite subdued in his hmm. acting because he's supposed to be less the russian more the british gentleman hmm um but but it didn't quite come across i i, I didn't like too many of the characters mm. and i think the characters they could have done something with like his sister didn't really sort of come out in the yeah, first
3: episode who, who
2: had about two lines in this yeah one. and and kind of looked like she might be interesting you know she was the kind of more wayward daughter i liked uncle boris um yeah i agree uh, with but, that. but i feel it was a little a little bit too stereotypical yeah. You know the kind of like the opulent Russian oligarch, and I suppose this looks like a a, a good plot, surrounded by some bad acting
3: and bad writing. I, I can't really add to that. Those are sort of my thoughts. I mean this t- this is feels like what the BBC want a new night manager. Um, it is another co-production with AMC. Who well, a lot a lot of people
2: manager. said it was the night manager, but with you know uh, futures and investments. A lot I, of people think,
3: said that on Twitter. Yeah. I think the fact that it's in sort of several different countries, it's about a sort of normal bloke being sucked into this world of organised mm. crime. The thing was that in The Night Manager, Tom Hiddleston, even though he's playing the normal bloke, like James Norton is here, had charisma. And I think that's there's a difference between being yeah. subdued and being the sort of reserved English gent and b- not having charisma or presence. And in Happy Valley, playing like the villain james norton is very good but he apl- having to play the sort of proxy for the audience having to explain what's yeah. going on to the audience i think he struggles because it is a hard part to play and, and there was a lot to get through but i think he fa- he looked almost like he was bored in this and luke's made this point as well um, and yeah. also I mean, being set in the world of finance i found it quite dull you know especially when like james norton was away from his family and just talking in city speak i i I would have liked more action. You didn't
2: really get much of his, his business partners either. There were these no. two other women that worked with him and they're just kind of like nameless and faceless. And mm. I'm, I, Maybe I'm being a bit harsh because I think didn't, didn't invest in episode two, but no. I kind of feel like you,
3: you could have done uh, more to set uh, that up as uh, well. Uh, pun there, Gary. What did I do? Didn't invest in episode oh,
2: two. D- very good. Two things that I would say as well. One, I don't think the subtitle bit worked. I don't know why. I know why they did it.
3: I don't, but I didn't have I don't no, for it. me,
2: I'm not sure. No. And then secondly, the scheduling. putting it on over two nights and then moving it to Sunday to me just
3: feels completely mm. weird. Almost like they already know it was going to fail before they put it out. because I watch so much subtitles stuff. I almost don't notice now, but when they switch between subtitles, and unless I'm in the middle of something else and have to look up to concentrate, but mm. on this, I, I try my best to concentrate on it. But I would say having something that heavily relied on subtitles on New Year's Day, when everyone's yeah, today, still, I understood the plot. I didn't mind the subtitles. I just found it dull. And and yeah. I always find the um, the merit of a show, the, the the success of a show, goes on. how easy i found it to sit through and yeah not this, very i found a real struggle i had to keep going back to it several times and you know i was watching i watched it probably a week before christmas so i didn't have anything else on i just mm. found it a real struggle to watch and, and, and I, um,
2: I know it lost a million view over a million viewers between episodes one and al- two
3: although there is a very positive review on the website so if you want a different opinion yeah through- ours um and i kind of feel like i kind of feel like this one i'm maybe there's a chance
2: i might go back to this if it stays on the iplayer long enough
3: Mm, okay because i
2: feel like there's something there but so maybe once it's finished if someone says to me oh yeah it it finished well then maybe i'll invest Have you
1: told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is The Custard TV Podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com.
3: Well, we've got two more things. Do you want to okay. end? End well... on the high note. Let's go with Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. So end, this... end on the high. Yeah. So this was, um, this is like the 21st or 22nd series of Celebrity well, yeah, Big but
2: Brother. Oh, it's, yeah. It's about the fourth or fifth that uh, Channel 5 have done.
3: They've done loads. Of, Channel Five have done loads. I think there was six Oh, because they do like, they two they
2: they do two a year now, two don't a they? Year, celebrity two yeah, a year. Since you're since right. Twenty eleven. So this is yeah, like the
3: thirteenth, fourteenth right. one on on Channel Four. Uh, Channel Five even. Uh, this is the year of the woman celebrating. I'm doing the air <laughs> commas. Yeah, and plus plus men later. Yeah, <laughs> celebrating um, hundred years since women got the vote. They've named the two bedrooms after two suffragettes. Um, yeah. Emily Davidson and Emmeline Pankhurst. It's an interesting mixture, actually. I will give it this: that they are trying to present it differently from other Big Brothers. The house is like an IKEA show home. They've tried to cast primarily like strong, intelligent women. I would say. Would you agree with that? Who've got? I would agree like, that there's re- well, there's only one model, so I mean, you know, and, we're, and, we're, just, we're and, and a social media influencer. Don't forget about her.
2: And what, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely.
3: Can you remember her name? No. Um, she got them all to sit down so she is an influencer (laughs) (laughs) i put
2: i did put that on twitter i was surprised i picked up on it at one point
3: she said oh let's sit down and they all did on the on the opening night so ashley james is her name the big names here are anne widdicombe rachel johnson boris's sister stanley's daughter columnist who seems quite fair quite she's not that controversial
2: she i think a bit like stanley She's far less controversial than her idiot brother. As
3: well, she doesn't look like them much, does she? She sort of... Well, that's she's probably got the a good family thing. nose, but she's not got that poshness that the others have got.
2: She, she's uh, got a better haircut than they have.
3: Probably the most controversial... Well, there's a couple, I suppose. India Willoughby, who's a... Is she ITV? She she's, was, she's an
2: ITV reader, yes, who used formerly to be Normally
3: BBC Times T's, yes. Yeah, she's a transgender who transitioned uh, from Jonathan to India... So that's an interesting story, Uh, but like the most controversial for me is probably Maggie Oliver, the um, police officer involved in the Rochdale sex. This this came
2: out. I mean, I I read a few rumors about who was going in. I
3: I don't remember seeing her name.
2: When I saw it, I almost felt like, hold on a minute. She's like a real person. She's not a celebrity at yeah. all in but any then,
3: sense of the word. But then, what I suppose that that's the thing. What is this, I remember when they had um, Faria Alam on just after the Sven goran Eriksson thing on that celebrity Big Brother so. But that's kind of like more what you can know That's more the think. kind
2: of the tittle tattle style yeah. of celebrity. This is kind of like the real life celebrity.
3: Current affairs almost,
2: isn't it? Yeah. I mean,
3: we saw her played by Leslie Sharp in, in the Three Girls thing. I mean, to me at the moment, she is the most sort of compelling character to watch on this because she's sort of. Well, because
2: she's not from the celebrity world, she but had a real
3: again, job, and Ann I don't think, would ever admit to being in the celebrity, even though she's done. Oh, I don't know, no, she's that. done. No, she's done strictly. She's done. Have I got
2: news for you? Yeah, no, I sorry, she's, she's, she's crossed was... over a bit.
3: She's done the celebrity shows. She... Yeah, but and also, mm. I would say Rachel Johnson as well isn't. She...
2: She's kind of a bit of a regular on like Sky News yeah, newspaper that's, reports that's and things like job. that.
3: So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, also, as we said, the social influencer, we've got Malaka Kahak, who is one of the <laughs> bless one you, of, <laughs> one of the Kardashian friends, Jess Impazali, who is apparently a, um, a a glamour model, and another odd bit of casting, a man, 82 year old Amanda Barry, formerly of Coronation Street and Carry On Cleo fame not the oldest contestant ever they they, she's still younger than lionel blair and jackie stallone perhaps because no one knows how old she was well and also
2: technically she wasn't well she just sort of came in and left so
3: amanda barry interestingly um the playing up that she came out quite late in life as well as a lesbian
2: certainly they have veered away from the the himbos and the bimbos and hopefully we don't get too many male models coming Mm -hmm. in
3: well uh, I know they've the f- announced the f- your, your favourite rapper is the first announced contestant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You've got to
2: hold or give or give it at the right time. You'd be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. John Barnes. Problem is, John Barnes, great rapper, rubbish footballer for England. One great goal and one good cross.
3: But and will he's he lived an on inter- them. He's is he lived
2: I- off them? No. I think he's I think he's house, fairly mate.
3: Other no. other rumours I've heard: um, Shane Lynch from Boyzone, someone from TOWIE, someone from Love Island, the American rapper Genuine.
2: I have no idea who that is.
3: <laughs> Luke, Luke, play a bit of Genuine here. <laughs> Comparable to the X Factor that last year Simon Cowell tried to make the X Factor something away from the X Factor, this feels I, like them trying to do something a bit different Celebrity yeah. Big Brother until the men come in on Friday And it. And, a... and I think the thing is they've tried to make
2: it less celebrity That feels like a way to get people to watch the show And I suppose it's worked Will
3: it be enough to sustain the whole series? I don't mm. know I mean the rating, the opening night ratings I think are the lowest ones yet For a Celebrity Big Brother What
2: What they need to do is make sure that Ab Widdicombe is not up for nomination In the first two weeks
3: Because I kind of feel like the show will live and die off her I think she will start snapping when the men come in. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what the women I think she's are like snapping. when the men I think come she's, in. From what I've read and what I've seen, so she's snapping already. You know, she's mm. definitely going to go at them um, over
2: towels. And
3: she's yeah, a well, it was a bit... I don't know. At the, I don't had a go know.
2: at the It's OK movement. And, uh, you know, she's well, controversial all day long. So okay. they need her in the house.
3: You mean Is it It's me OK too? or... Me Too. Me
2: Too. Sorry. <laughs> I'm getting
3: me. That's very not what Me Too's about. It's not no. OK, if anything.
2: Sorry, um, <laughs> I, I apologise.
3: No, <laughs> oh, Gary, no, li- no. Listeners
2: of this podcast will know that I'm not good with names and phrases. There you are. Apology over.
3: I talked about it last night, and Anne Whittacombe and Amanda Barry, like the older women, were like, well, it's their choice, their choice, blah, blah, blah. And then it was uh, Malika Hack who was actually saying, but it's not always like that. It's not always... No, I
2: think for Amanda Barry and Anne Whittacombe, they're looking at a point of view of maybe they feel that these women had a choice. Mm. They don't probably come from an era that understands that actually a lot of what's been reported is sexual abuse, not sexual advances. Yeah. There's a big difference.
3: It was interesting though, hearing them talking about how things have changed for women and saying like when you were a woman on your own in like the 60s or 70s, you couldn't rent a flat because they wouldn't rent to women because they thought they were prostitutes. And it was really... i say it's an interesting really? show to watch. It doesn't feel like Big Brother, but it, it is an interesting No, a, lot, show of, a show. lot
2: of people thought that the, the, the launch night was a bit flat as yeah, well, because
3: uh, some of that was due to the weather,
2: because mm. they didn't hold anything outside because it was tipping down with rain. Yeah. So they did interviews in the studio that yeah. normally would have been in front of a crowd.
3: I don't think I'll be watching until maybe the men come in and see how the dynamics shift then, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch the little cat, the little sort of re- recaps and stuff, yeah. and, and and keep up to date, so that if it does sort of get controversial, at least I won't be sort of left behind on who the
3: characters are. And Gary, will you now join me as we head inside number nine?
1: I shall indeed.
3: I'm I'm glad you watched this actually, because me and Luke were saying we weren't sure if you would. Well, I did watch the whole of the last series. Oh, did you? Uh, in the I did, I did go, but I did watch it, and not on at the, the time, time it was it.
2: on. Uh, no, I recorded them and watched oh, them okay. on, on on my PVR. But uh, I mean, I, and and I
3: know that the earlier series are now on only on for Netflix. A bit. Oh, they're on Netflix. Yeah. They're on the I. Think they're on Netflix.
2: Netflix. I do enjoy them. So this was called uh,
3: Zanzibar. Zanzibar, and it's on the ninth floor of the Zanzibar Hotel. This was reading an interview with Reese Smith. This was their attempt to do. Um, a, a full-out farce. So, Doors opened and closed. There was mistaken identity. There was like you know lewd twin, twin behaviour. Twins that you know. There was um an old, a dotty old woman. There was a guy who was trying to commit suicide. There was a prostitute. There was a hypnotist. It was all a bit you know all over the place. They this was um I think slightly based on a comedy of errors, the Shakespeare play, which I don't personally know. They wrote it in iambic pentameter, and a lot of it was rhymed. A lot now
2: stuff. I I am a bit pentameter. For those that don't know, is that four five five four? I think so. Yeah,
3: and it, it, this my
2: English literature uh, you know, A level is coming into use here. We'll do haikus. It's uh, like dum
3: dum dum dum, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it has a rhythm to its speech, which worked well in this comedy fast type way because it allowed all the characters to speak to camera and to other people, and it all kind of flow very nicely.
3: It's described as like the um, da-dum of a uh, human heartbeat. So it's an unstressed syllable, followed by a stressed syllable.
1: I'm sorry sir, but may I trouble you? There is a strange man in my room. Which room? It's one of these, but which I cannot say. Things fall out of my head so quick these days. Did you not
2: see the sign upon my door? Do not disturb me, please. I do implore. Oh,
1: so He's got me all equipped. And here he comes. He means me harm. Mother, I'm so sorry. She wanders off a lot. Come back to bed. You're missing Emmerdale. Is this your son? I don't know. Yes, I am. She knows me not. It's such a sorry tale. She took a tumble nipping into boots. This was in August. 1953. She hit her head and now her memory's gone. My memory's fine. For them days, not for these. She's like a goldfish that you win at fair. You mean she's going to die within a week? No. She swims about, but nothing is retained. We're trying this new memory technique. Are you my husband? No, he's just a man. A man who wishes to be left in peace. If that is all, I'm going to close the door. I met him once on Coronation Street. Oh, mother.
3: Technical aside, it was very sort of broad comedy. Some of it was very near the bone. Or near some other parts of the anatomy. Indeed, um, yes. I've talked to Luke about it, and he's not a big fan when Inside Number no. Nine does this broad stuff with a lot of famous faces in it, because there was a lot. Rory oh, okay. playing two roles: uh, Bill Patterson, Marsha Warren, Kevin Eldon, Tanya Franks, Helen Monks from. Race oh, yes, Bulls. Kevin
2: Eldon was the hypnotist, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he wasn't in it that much.
3: I mean, I liked it. I, there was a couple of laughs, but the more I've seen two and three and there is mo- much more to come. The third one, I think, will uh, have a lot of discussion about, which is good because it's on a week where there's not a lot of else on. That is a really good one. And the second one, is it, Feels very much like a one act play. I know these all do to an extent, but that <laughs> the second one feels. Very... Yeah, I
2: mean, I think I think this even referenced itself as a one act play, didn't it? It kind of there was almost a bit of inside inside number nine.
3: It is hard to categorise inside number nine, but this was wh- this again. D- it didn't have that macabre edge that they normally have. This this ended with a happy ending, which is very unusual. Well, you there know,
2: was but... a macabre twist in the fact that one of them was supposed to be killing one, but you're right. They, yeah. they because of the uh, way well, they did no it, one they dies. It around. Which no, no I one died.
3: The only other time I can remember that happening inside number nine is in the um, karaoke episode, which I quite well, like.
2: Did of. anyone die in diddle in, um, diddle, diddle? Oh no, on? no.
3: Well, apart from Sorry. no, I won't say that. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it, it was yeah. affected by a death. Death was hanging in the air. I suppose. Yes,
2: you're right. Yeah, the death was there again. Nice link to what he was trying to do there, hanging in the air. Nice. Okay, I think so. the one thing that the one thing that I would say is that I think this kind of standalone episode they go back to the kind of 50s and 60s television where you had things like tales of the unexpected and um How what to was the twilight zone shows that are in a series but are completely un- unconnected well, um, i know inside nine is a bit different because of course mm-hmm. they all have the link through nine a compendium
3: series is what they really yeah
2: like. i do think they kind of kicked off a genre. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they were before Black Mirror, I'm not well, sure. Black,
3: Black Mirror and, and the Electric Dream series rely it is a lot more about technology and how technology affects. Sure, but they, they like, are
2: they, are, they whereas, are definitely more set stories So I'm I, not
3: disputing that, but what I'm saying is they're very sort of technology influenced, whereas mm. this is this is very oh, yeah. like a play. This is yeah. is is half an hour. You You're know, right. You inside couldn't inside number the, nine different genres every week, whereas you could say that Black Mirror. And,
2: you couldn't put Black Mirror on the stage. You could put yeah. Inside Number Nine on the stage. You yes. are
3: right. And you could say both of those fit into the sci-fi thing, whereas you couldn't say that about Inside Number Nine. It's yeah. sort of genreless, I would say. Yeah. It, but it defies genre, whereas. You could say Black Mirror is a sci-fi. You could say Electric Dreams is a sci-fi. I
2: I, I do believe that you two have converted me that this is appointment television. Shall we talk briefly about Patreon before we tell you our pick of the week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patreon is a way of you, the listener, supporting us in giving you more content. Basically, there are different levels of commitment that you can do each month for as little as a a couple of quid through up to sort of uh, more amounts. The more you give, the more you get. And there's going to be content which you can only get through Patreon. Yes. There's already some great podcasts up there. Uh, Matt and Luke did a recap of the first series of The Sopranos. Yeah, uh, some only, only fools, fools and, and horses. horses.
3: Look back, back. There's a couple of screening things as the best of the podcast That's up there. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot more stuff. There's also, you can look at all of our sort of running orders from all of the podcasts. There's a a lot on there already. And we are going to be rejigging it and doing some new stuff in the new year. When Luke's back on the podcast, we'll explain more about that. But this podcast will remain free.
2: Yeah. But if you like us and you think, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could go to a few more screenings? Wouldn't it be great if we could get a few more interviews? Wouldn't it be great if we could afford some better equipment and things like that? and it literally is all the money we get gets plowed back into the podcast or the website it's not just going into luke and mine or that's pocket no it's i mean a couple of, a
3: couple yeah a couple of things as you say yeah it's it's going to be for paying for things like going to screenings like you know hosting the website things like that hosting the podcast yeah. what luke uses to upload the podcast that costs money so yeah. i mean at the moment we are doing this free of charge because we enjoy it so much and but yeah. you know it would be nice to have more time to do <laughs> it as well and Hopefully this year we are going to sort of try and do more podcasts on the main feed as well as on the Patreon. There are, we have had some ideas. Oh, absolutely. That we hope we, you know, we,
2: each of us does this from our home.
3: We all have, apart have, from Luke, yeah. other jobs
2: that we yeah. do. I mean, me and Gary uh, have time That's why we record at times. So this is, this is our, we do this out of the love of television.
3: One thing I would add as well is that, you know, you're not locked into a, subs- a subscription. Yes. If you want to sign up for just one month, you can. Patreon, we're going on about changing the fees and, and making people p- pay more, but they're not doing that now. I mean, you can sign up for as little as $2 a month, which is about £1.50, something like that. And and we would really appreciate it, even if it is only at that low tier for just a month, every little help. And,
2: and we're aware that, you know, it's just been Christmas. We've all spent a lot of money. Mm. And, and and probably, you know, maybe you'll all feel a bit more generous in February when you've you know been paid again. So we won't dispute anyone that comes to us and says, I'll do this a bit later in the year. That's absolutely fine. There is no expectation. The podcast will continue whether you subscribe or not. Uh, Matt, what's the website that people can go to if they want to sign up and be a
3: patron? Uh, It is patreon.com slash the custard TV. That is, that is simple as that. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites, at The Gary Show for Gary, at Luke Custer TV for Luke. We are on Facebook. Search The Custard TV. Give us a um, a like on there. Um, I did mention the email earlier, CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. Let us know what you watched over Christmas, what you're looking forward to in 2018. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Write some kind words on there. We're on all of the other apps, Stitcher, Overcast, all of those ones. The website is thecustardtv.com. As Gary mentioned earlier, there's a lot of um, reviews coming up on that. You can find all of our stuff on YouTube. Individual review videos on on YouTube. That's all the ways you can get in contact and and um, enjoy our offerings. So I think this has been a successful 2018 one, even though we haven't had um, uh, Luke on.
2: Yeah, he's always around though yes. in the background.
3: I feel so. like his presence is 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 around. Um, even when we can't hear him,
2: no, he didn't get us any presents this
3: year. No, that's (laughs) great. Shall we do pick of the week quickly? Because I have got a couple. Oh, go on, go on, go on. You you go. I was going to just highlight two things, both on channel four. Um, next Wednesday is kirry Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, 10th is the new drum from Jack Thorne, who did National Treasure, four parts. Sarah Lancashire plays a social worker. I won't say much more than that, but it is very good. I went to the screening of that and also something to look out for that you might not have noticed Sunday night. I think eight o'clock on Channel four, something called the biggest little railway in the world. Fronted by Dick Strawbridge about this group of volunteers who are trying to make the world's largest model railway.
2: Is he the bloke with the moustache? Yes. I'll go for uh, Hard Sun. I don't know a lot about it. Uh, I know it's from the Luther creator, Neil Cross pre-apocalyptic crime drama yeah nice because normally things are post-apocalyptic
3: yeah. i haven't read a lot of, or heard much about that i don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing next week we'll be talking about all of those shows plus probably next of kin the new itv drama the return of Go-
2: witness probably yeah I'll probably girls talk about. new
3: channel Four sitcom i mean we've got the voice coming back dancing on ice coming back those big weekend shows yeah uh, and, and maybe more who knows so yeah goodbye Thanks gary too. Uh,
1: yeah uh bye rate and review us wherever you find us I think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win